0: I wrote a poem. Well, I love that. A witty poem. Is it witty or is it serious? But seriously. It's heartfelt and funny. Good. I look forward to it. This is The Greg
1: Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Dad, who do you think between the two of us got in more trouble in houston uh, i don't even know you mentioned earlier that there was some issue with you and mom i don't know what well, you went home on time my wife was mad at me for staying an extra day um why was your wife mad at you
0: yeah i think uh, i think your wife is is more mad at you because you stayed an extra day for no good reason but um other than to enjoy life and hang out with friends exactly but in my case she was unexpectedly mad at me she had listened to the episode and you know accused me of obviously drinking too much and slurring on the podcast. And, you know, and and I, you know, I I was sort of taken aback. I didn't know what to say. I mean, obviously, we had a good time in Houston in in all manners, but uh, I thought the podcast was fine. Listeners expected a little bit of revelry. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, there were times
1: late in the game that, Maybe on the pod, we both probably. Maybe I just fake it better than you. I was drinking more than you were, right? So yeah, I mean that's that's an odd one. I mean, she expects us to have a good time. We're not driving. Like what's the like is she is she like is it a thing cuz people she knows listens to the pod so it's like people hear my husband like wasted on a podcast kind of thing? It could be.
0: I don't know. I, you know, maybe she's jealous that uh you know she wasn't there as well. I don't well, know. Well, I think I, it's I also another thing is that, you know, and and this is, you know, I was in a,
1: with a friend in Houston and you know, late in the night, a bartender cut him off. And it's just one of these things where we're all similarly drunk. But it's like some people can just sound less drunk. Some people, when they reach right. a certain point, just start sounding really drunk. And you might be one of these people. It doesn't mean you're actually more drunk than the next drunk guy. It's just when you get a little drunk, you happen to sound drunk. And that was a problem with one of my friends who get like, and that'll get you cut off. If you go up to a bar and you're like, I have a another beer, Like they're like, no, I can't serve you anymore. But if I've had the same amount of beer and I can just be like, yeah, I'll take another one. Then they give it to me
0: because it's just. That's a good point. All right, I encourage everybody to listen to the last episode and judge for yourself whether I sounded drunk. All right, I want to move on right now. Um, we have an exciting episode th- yeah, today. Yeah, we do. We we, we have on uh, the great Chris Whittingham, witty uh, knee of the uh, of the Lebatard show now out in the wild, out of the nest, and on his own.
1: His first public appearance, other than all the soccer games he's called and other podcasts he's appeared on since leaving the show. <laughs>
0: Okay, let's edit out that last part. Let's make it feel like this is a world exclusive for the Greg Cody Show like a, podcast. Like a 60 minutes, like we get to sit down with that's Chris Whittingham after he leaves Arc. Yes, we sit down. That, that's the new thing now. When you have a one-on-one interview uh, on TV, especially they do this, they say, we sit down with so-and-so as if, no, duh. I don't expect that everyone is standing during the interview. Of course you're sitting down. You should start that as a series, a stand-up interview. That, w- that would be good. I'm a stand-up man. Um, but before we get started, and before Whittingham comes on— Oh, well, we've started mention, already. We've started already. Yeah, I, I want to mention that um, uh, Levitard, uh, on his South Beach sessions, which is great, it's really, really good, uh, and he has me on. So whether it will continue to be really, really good with me on it, I don't know, but upcoming, I'm Dan's this, guest this on an week- upcoming episode. So th- I believe it's this week,
1: so if this episode for us comes out Monday, I believe Tuesday— or or this week at some point is coming out, so.
0: Yeah, it it was interesting. Uh, it was pretty serious. You know, it, it, Dan and I, I, don't want to give anything away, but Dan and I explore our long friendship and, and get pretty personal at times about our lives on and off the air. And um, I didn't know until just now that, that somehow you uh, were brought into this as well. Tell me about that. Well, apparently the conversation is so emotional that they want to
1: have me sit down and do a director's cut of it, where I'm essentially they're videotaping me watching the Southbeat session, and I can like pause it and like do my commentary, because apparently you guys get into stuff with me and just your life, so it's things that I will have thoughts on. So you know, that, that should be fun. And, and I, I imagine it gets emotional because these sit-down little reaction video things, they want me to cry, right? Like is, are they going to try to get me to cry in this thing?
0: <laughs> that's a good question. I teared up a couple of times. I, I have to admit, I think there were two times uh, during the conversation where uh, I had to pause and and gather myself before going on. So that's all I'll say. Uh, but but um, Dan's been a, a great friend for a long time and I was happy to do it. Um, you know, I, I just want to my public persona, whether it's on the Levitard show, on this podcast, in what I write for the Miami Herald, I, I think I'm all over the map, right? Like. On the Levitard show, I, I tend to be cast as the clown. There's there's not much of a lane for me to be serious and talk at length about anything serious. Um mm-hmm. on this podcast I get to be a little bit of both. In print I get to a little bit be a little bit of both. In this South Beach sessions, I will say, um, you know, there's a, a couple of chuckles and everything. It's Dan and I. You know, that's the way we roll. Dan actually respects you in this conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and and so it's a different me. Uh, and a different me and him, uh, you know, he and I together and separately are in, in a way that you don't often hear us on the Levitar show. So I look forward to you all, um, uh, uh, listening to that. Come on, keep the energy up. What are you doing right now? You're like, I feel like I'm losing. You're just like kind
1: of telling. So I, uh, I hope any of you do that.
0: Well, we're talking about something like serious. It, it looked like you were
1: like falling, like at the end of that, just trailing off, like falling asleep towards the end of that sentence. I like, do
0: tell you, yeah, know, I have You Did actually. like an extra it paragraph. The like interview. we
1: plugged the, the South Beach session and then you threw in that extra
0: paragraph. That that's was just,
1: right. you just like, meh, just, meh, meh, meh.
0: that's why they call it editing as Graceland climbs the stairs, looking over her shoulder. That's, no one can see Graceland To get into it's my an, podcast. It's an audio medium. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Um, I want to mention uh, Udonis Haslam real quick. Um, I wrote a column on this, uh, a farewell tribute column to him, and uh, he deserves it. And And he played his last regular season game for the Heat on Sunday. Uh, luckily, he has a, at least one more uh, coming uh, in the playoffs. But, I would you know, <laughs> UD referred to himself uh, a while ago as as just a young fat kid from Liberty City. And and Liberty City is sort of a, a poor uh area of Miami, uh impoverished and and uh tough to grow up in, frankly, as he would tell you. And the young fat kid from Liberty City became a Miami legend and uh longest serving athlete we've ever had, 20 years, great career, part of three championships. Uh what are your emotions as as UD leaves the heat? It's hard to have like because like you know he retired
1: a long time like i i say he didn't retire he hasn't been playing for years so True. it's like all heat fans like you know it's tough to really have like i'm i'm he's kind of been fading out right like he yep. more than any other career in sports history has gone from playing like usually it's just playing 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 off the team like this has been as much of a transition off a team as you could possibly have, so I don't really have these like strong sad emotions. He's clearly an all time legend. His number should go up in the yeah, Raptors, like number forty. Nothing negative to say about UD, but, be- but because it's been such a long process of him leaving, I'm not that like like I'm not going to get like true like as sad as I was when D Wade retired. Right. Like that that felt a little different. Yeah,
0: that's true. I get but, it. But there's
1: always going to be that place for you. I mean, UD is Miami, so he's just one of those guys. But I actually wonder, like, what is next for UD? Well, I, Like, what's... Is he going to be in the... Is he going to create a spot in the organization for him? Is he going to be the next Zoe that, like, sits next to Pat during games?
0: I think we have a good idea of that already. He wants a, a small piece of ownership, which I think they're going to give him. I, I think it stung a little bit that Dwayne Wade ended up as a Utah Jazz part owner. I don't think they want that to happen with UD. Right. I think he's going to have a sm- small slice of the team, and I think he's going to be able to carve out basically whatever role he wants in the organization, you know, obviously within reason, but he can he can certainly be a community liaison in, in some meaningful way. Uh, he can be in an advisory role. I think he sees himself... And he said that he sees himself as, as a conduit, a link between the locker room and the front office. And, and, uh, and and I think he's super cut out for that. And I think he's going to do a great job. Um, there was another uh, big athlete in town who, who said something that made me laugh out loud. Tyree kill, the dolphins wide receiver Mm -hmm. says announces that he's going to retire after the 2025 season at age 31, still in his prime, He's going to leave another big contract, his last big contract on the table, and he's going to retire. And I am saying right now that I will walk from here to Kansas city on my knees. If he fulfills that, I think it's a bunch of BS though. You should
1: just do like walk on your knees. It's just literally impossible. Walking on your feet. Over a six month
0: period, if you wanted to do a Forrest Gump thing, like you probably could actually walk to Kansas City. You know what? You're right. My knees can't take it. Yeah. My knee, I couldn't walk across my house on my knees. It would be really tough. I'm so over these athletes with these fake retirement threats. Yeah. Like it's one of my
1: least favorite things in all of sports. I agree. Like, it, unless you're an old, ad, unless you're old, it never, it never happens. Uh, luckily, he at least says he's going to play out the heat, uh, the, the heat, the the Dolphins contract. Right. You know, it shouldn't affect the Dolphins, but this is a non-story. This is just him trying to get his name in the news and he's trying to get his name into the whole gamer world because that's what he says. He says, I'm going to retire and become a professional, yeah, you know, he's big it. into video games and that's okay. a whole industry. So he, I think he's just trying to, you know, diversify and like establish himself To people in that industry of like, hey, I'm coming in here
0: next. So he could also be planting the seed uh, to to pressure the Dolphins to extend his contract before it ends. But we'll see. You're right. I I, I don't believe that at all. I want to mention we hardly ever get into politics on this podcast. And that's by design, because believe me, I could talk forever about everything always in the news. But could you? Yeah, I could. I, I could. Because, well, but in this case, What the Tennessee state legislature did is appalling. Oh wow. It's anti-American. It makes me feel ashamed. It shouldn't be allowed. And as you know by now, they the, the legislature expelled two of its members, both young black men, for speaking out against gun violence. Since when isn't a state legislature a forum for open debate about important subjects? It just appalls me what they did. I hope it's overturned in the courts and I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to get off my high horse calmly. Uh, and, and literally, <laughs> calmly on my high horse and I'm getting off joking. my high horse calmly. We're not joking about this. My dad actually owns a horse named calmly. I do. And by the way, now that I'm done with my political spiel, calmly is running this week. She's running in a race in Marseille. Is it Marseille? Marseille? Marseille, France this week. So uh, what day? What time? Like, what I, think this week? The, I think it's the 8th. Eighth, the 8th eighth
1: she's running. So, uh, so it happened already. Like that. Think about when this podcast is coming out.
0: You know what? No, no. It's a week from... It's this coming week. It hasn't happened yet. It's this coming week. <laughs> this podcast comes out Monday. Okay. It, she hasn't run yet. <laughs> she's running sometime in the middle of this week. So it's Monday the 10th, so she's running around the 12th or 13th. Yeah. In, in Marseille, she's entered... If you say Marseille one more time, I'm going to Marseille you in the face. Okay. Just in case the race in Lyon the following week has bad track conditions, because in Europe... It's all about running on the right track. Uh, you don't want to run, run in a bog unless you're a horse that loves to run in a bog. Uh, and I'm in a bog right now talking about calmly because nobody cares but me. Um, I would like to do a three-dad da- uh, joke, okay? Dad jokes? A, a three-dad joke. Oh. Yeah, I I, was, I almost said three facts, Jack, but I think I want to do dad jokes instead. You don't want to wait for Witty for that? Should I wait? Okay, we'll wait for Witty. I just By the way, you know. Witty um, is... Uh, why is he on again? Why do we have him on? <laughs>
1: Really? Yeah. Because we want to pander to the Levitard obvi- audience,
0: obviously? No, I thought there was a specific reason. Like, is he, you know, wh- I don't, are you doing a bit? No, I'm just. You, <laughs> I'm we, before the show, we talked about multiple things you want to talk to Witty about, and you've just forgotten all of them all of a sudden? I know, but, but it, it, it like, I. It, I think it was your idea to have Mon. I was. Just, we don't have to air any of this, but I'm just wondering. No, why. we're we're leaving all this in because this is okay. hilarious and it's a classic Greg Cody thing. You just
1: listed to me five or six things you want to ask him, and now you just that I knew he. The was reason on we're today. The, the reason we're having. The reason he's a, a a guest that we would have on right now is because he just left the Levitard show, and we want to pander to that audience that might be interested to hear from him after him leaving. I really don't like the word pandering that's what it's literally how
0: we've built this podcast no i don't i disagree with that oh, god i do disagree i mean we're not pandering like appealing to i'm very sensitive to that like I don't appealing
1: think that- to like we're trying to we're, we're like fishing okay. we're fishing for lebitard show listeners because we're part of that world and they like us so we want as much of that big audience to say hey come over here check us out we do fun things over here okay
0: and like all right i won't call it pandering. Yeah, don't call it pandering. You got to admit, pandering is a is a negative connotation. What's going on with you right now? I don't know. Your
1: energy is just weird. Every sentence you're like tailing off on. It's like,
0: yeah, just I don't know. okay. Bring me some energy. What do
1: you got to I, say? Look, I have energy. Look, like, see, like the way I'm talking right now, like, this okay. Is, I'm 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 excited to be in this conversation right now.
0: Okay, tell me something. Bring, tell me something good. Tell me something good. I wrote a poem. Well, I love that. A witty poem. Is it witty or is it serious? But seriously. It's heartfelt and funny. Good. I look forward to it. All right. <clears throat> Let's welcome Witty in.
2: The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes!
1: I want to talk to you about Sheets and Giggles. They sent my dad and I to Houston. What a fun, unforgettable trip for me and my dad. All thanks to Sheets and Giggles. Now it's time for us and you to repay them and really support them. They're good people. They stand for all the right things. Go to sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Use the code SCOOPS, 20% off their entire site. It's not just great sheets. They have mattresses. They have comforters. They have pillows. It's the quietest pillow you've ever slept on. They don't get hot. You don't have to flip them throughout the night. The sheets never get warm. The softest sheets I've had zero people who have bought them, complain about them. Everyone says that they are great. I've literally not heard a single negative syllable. And I have sent them and recommended them to some of my picky and very opinionated friends. And even the most opinionated of them all say, these are damn good sheets. Much better than the sheets I was sleeping on before. So support us. Support Sheets and Giggles. Sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Promo code scoops. Sheets and giggles. Shiggles. I texted Woody earlier about, hey, we're going to you're going to be entering into a hot set here. And I just got an ah hot set. No one loves a hot set like Chris Whittingham. Love a hot set. Love a hot set. Love walking in. Be like, all right, we're taking off. Off yeah. we go. No pleasantries. How are
0: you? No. Doesn't matter. The interview is started. Greg Cody, go. Chris Whitty Whittingham needs no introduction. Although, as I look at him in the Zoom, he is beautifully groomed. Yeah. There is not a hair out of place. That's a rested right? man right there. That's <laughs> a man serious. that is. That's a man that's gotten some
1: sleep. <laughs> have you? <laughs> yes, I have. I've gotten a lots more sleep than I used to. That is for sure. What What is something you've done in the last week or so that you would have never had time to do if you were still like busting your ass for Arc? which you kind of still are, but whatever. We can right. You know, I'm I'm there a couple of days a week. Uh, one, go to the beach.
2: Yes, despite the fact that I live a four minute walk away from the beach. I never went, and like a week after I stopped working in my executive producer role, I went to the beach. I also, I have a, over my shoulder a bunch of books that, uh, believe it or not, despite my sanctimony about being uh, rigorous academically, uh, I don't often read books. I read books now. That's fun. Uh, so just, uh, you know,
1: a, a couple of things that I've, I've decided to to pick up. We've We've talked about this before, I believe, but I don't remember the answer. You're a shoes guy at the beach uh no no not a shoes guy at the beach where are you wearing like slides to the beach with no socks what's the play here so i
2: go yeah slides slides with no socks and then because like our beach and our apartment building is kind of like a everyone who lives here gets to go to this beach there's kind of a communal policy where you can leave your slides there oh and then and then you can and then you can walk onto the sand barefoot so that that's that's what's a
1: slide it's like a sandal that's not a thong sandal. It's like the Nike. It's like I used to have the Nike ones that I'd wear for baseball. They're just like sandals you slide on that don't have the thong. Mean, I,
2: there, there's some okay. near me. Let me let me grab them and I'll show them to you, Greg. Give me a sec. Yeah.
1: Did I describe it decently to you? I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory. Hey. Uh, oh slide. yeah, okay. So it's
2: the ones where like it goes over the foot. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's not a thong sandal.
1: People, right. Our our sh- the Levitz art show is very critical of thong sandals. I, I've, I've I'm a late bloomer into the thong sandal world. My wife has kind of turned me into it and it's delightful. I don't, I I get it. You know what though? The the thong, the the slides have taken over the thong sandals so
2: much. You cannot find a pair of thong sandals in the mall. I know this because I went walking through the Aventura Mall to various department stores, just trying to find a bog standard uh, thong sandal and I couldn't find it. I could not find a thong sandal. It was like on my fifth store that I found. It was the (laughs) only one that was there. The slides have invaded. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they have. The thongs uh, back in my day uh, used to be everywhere. They were all you wore on your feet if you were going outside, particularly to the beach. And we used to call them zori's hmm. Does anybody in the listening audience remember that word? No. I think it I was mean... Z-O-R-R-I. Zori sandals is what we call them. Was that a brand? And no, I don't even know. I don't even know. Is it like Croc, the equivalent of like a Croc? Yeah, Dad, It, it maybe the forerunner of Croc,
1: Zoris. In your life, Dad, have you worn more thong sandals or thongs? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a pretty easy answer thong sandals aka zoris we used to wear all the time as kids um nana doogie would take it to the beach of course uh and uh and when we'd wear zoris that's what you wore now if i'm going to the beach which i never do i will wear deck shoes to the beach my toes will never hit the sand unless i take oh. off my deck shoes and run to the water. No one wants to see your toes anyway.
2: But 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 don't you but don't you like get sand in the shoes though, isn't it? You wear yes. those that same pair of deck
1: shoes all the time. Yes. I feel like that would be more tedious than just putting your toes in the sand. And they smell terribly after a be- like after like 7 hours at the beach with boat shoes, they
0: come back they're like
1: that that sandy beachy like musk to it. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just gross.
0: No, it is true. Uh Whittingham, <laughs> I want to ask you real quickly because um I think this is on everyone's mind. It's always been on my mind, and I've never directly asked you. What's with the spelling of your last name?
2: <laughs> that is, a, that, that is a, actually a very good question. So Thank you. I am under the impression that our family are the only people in the world that spell Whittingham in the manner in which we do. What? Every what? other encounterance of Whittingham that I've seen, the most common one is W-H-I-T-T-I-N-G-H-A-M. That is correct. the correct way to spell it. Yeah, I've seen a Y in a few places, but not commonly. I think it really comes down to the fact that uh, we are Colombian Whittinghams. And my presumption is, is that in attempting to sound it out, a Y got chucked in there. Maybe that it would be more common to Hispanic spelling than British spelling. Uh, We have kind of attempted to trace down a family history. Most of those attempts have been mostly mostly led to dead ends. I once saw a picture of a family crest that our family has uh, from way back in Wales that uh, we, we never actually fully investigated but realistically, our Whittingham clan is probably the only Whittingham clan in the world wow. that spells our last name this way it's wrong wow. it's just straight up wrong and like I I, <laughs> I came to this realization having gone to the UK and they all look look at my last name this is incorrect this is not how you spell this last name
0: it Man. does look like a misspelling it really yeah. does and I yeah. feel
1: I feel the pressure to have a boy. Because of, you know, Cody, I don't, there's, but there's a ton of Cody's out there spelled C-O-T-E. Like there's so much you or your brother need to have a boy at some point because we like or else your name is just going to disappear, my man. Well, maybe it should.
0: Maybe it should.
2: I
1: don't know if my dad would love to hear that. But
2: and you know what's funny is I think my my uncle changed the spelling of the last name, but like made it more wrong. Like it like changed the Y out for another I but didn't include <laughs> the h at the beginning so like there there's even a uh, discord within our ranks of how we spell our last name wow witty by any name uh
0: you're a valued uh, member of uh, of whatever family you're in I, w- I will say though
2: the misspelling does allow for the nickname witty yeah. i think if not for the, uh, the for the y being in the middle i think if i were a w h i t t i n g mm-hmm. i wouldn't be witty
1: would you be witty Maybe. Yeah, that <laughs> would good, be the more likely. Because Witty's a good nickname. So like that's...
0: Yeah. Whereas Wit is no. sort of the worst nickname ever.
1: Yeah. So Witty hey, Wit. We, we want to get to inner Miami with you. We want to get to messy with you. And we want to get to your new gig. But, and I, but before that, I want to tease on the back end. oh I have written you, my friend. Because I didn't feel like you got the proper send-off. Okay. And f- especially for me, you know, I'm not good with words. So I was like, anytime I try to like in a moment, just like off the top of my head, s- express myself... I don't do it well so i wrote you a poem that i'm gonna read to you at the end wow
2: that that is as heartwarming and touching of a gesture as i've had from any of my recently
1: former colleagues wow
0: this is beautiful
1: i can't wait for this i'm excited to read it and i and you know me in reading so i've been practicing i'm gonna try to get through it with no hiccups (laughs) but you know me so all right is it is it funny is it heartwarming a little bit of both, my friend. Okay. You never know. Oh.
0: <laughs> okay, this has to be your first career poem, I'm guessing. <laughs> Honestly,
1: I, I might touch on this exact to- that question in the poem. So let's just not even yeah, no spoilers. Since like,
2: since like fourth grade, when you first learned what a poem was. Yes. <laughs> you- your first career poem. I love that as an expression. This is no haiku, <laughs> my friend. This is no haiku. It's more of a sonnet.
0: Okay, I'm counting the yeah. syllables, and if it exceeds seventeen, then it's a, a full-fledged poem. Oh, I fit
1: so many like syllables into like mm. I, I'm cra- I'm like a rapper <laughs> cramming words into into. into all right, okay, so go. we're an
2: iambic pentameter then.
1: Yeah. There <laughs> oh <you>. God. <laughs> it out. There you go.
0: Get, <laughs> go to the go to the ocean. Um, speaking of that, witty, I want to ask you in all seriousness: leaving the Levitarch, and and you know you're still going to be involved whenever you want, whenever they need you, what have you. But leaving it as a full-time gig for a full-time gig with apple plus apple tv plus on mls broadcasts was that a difficult decision or an easy one uh
2: it was it was a difficult decision in the respect in the sense that i loved coming to work i loved all of our colleagues um it was such a a fruitful experience for me i just loved the way that the show operates how everyone within the show welcomed me when they could have very easily rejected me it's i i think you know other than Allison Turner, it hadn't welcomed any new people for a decade. So for the most part, it's been a production team that's been set in stone and everyone welcomed me so nicely. And then I got to grow within the company and it's so cool to connect with an audience of people that are now kind of bought in on me as a person, right? Like, I, I went to a Panthers game the other night, and then people like bummed out that I'm not on the show anymore. And while that might sound self aggrandizing, like, that's just the net, that's not anything to do with me. It's Dan affording us all this space to not only Talk on the air and develop who we are as people, but for people to get to know us and sort of allow this very comfortable space to where I can kind of, I can tell, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that I wake up in the morning using my stove and mm-hmm. that feels like a normal thing to <laughs> say out loud. And so that, in, in that sense, it was very difficult. To me, the bit that was a little bit less difficult was that this is kind of what I'm working for at not Apple specifically, but working as a play-by-play commentator and all that stuff is what I've always wanted to do. And I just felt like I hit a point, particularly when I was doing some preseason matches where I just didn't feel like I was giving it my best. And it just felt like too big of an opportunity in my career in doing this to not want to give it my 100% and do everything that I possibly could to be a good broadcaster. And if, uh, and if it doesn't work out for me, and, you know, Dan in five years time says, well, you left, so we're not having you back. And I, my my career goes sideways as a result. At the very least, I feel like I gave it everything that I had in doing this and, and giving it my full attention so that I could reasonably say I gave this a full go.
1: Sorry for texting you during that preseason game, by the way, and with work <laughs> stuff and ruining this whole experience okay. for you.
0: <laughs> Your character you were sort of cast as in in, in the fancy lad Mm -hmm. uh, persona. And I'm wondering, is that a persona that you wore comfortably and eagerly or something you had to sort of adjust to? And, you know, I like the idea of you not being that person at all. And it was all just a character.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There's a certain element of it where it was like, you know, it sort of having, having it be shouted at you all the time. It was like, okay, wow, this is like really stuck. And I have to like fully embrace this, but no, like in terms of, like on air, it was purely a manifestation of who I am as a person. In some ways, right. I have to thank Andrew Streeter immensely for putting that song together, because that's really how Or the, it was initially a jingle. And then it was a full song that he put together. And it did sort of perfectly encapsulate who I was being on the show and who I generally am. Now, there are yes. times where it's sort of like you have to live up to what this character would do. But it's not terribly far away from who I am as a person.
1: Uh, right. So, yeah, I I, I I wore it well. And there's times where it's annoying as shit to do it because we all kind of do it with our own lanes, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Cody, oh, food stuff. Billy, n- neurosis, mm-hmm. always yep. like scared of everything. Witty is the fancy lad. Mike is the crazy sports fan. Like, you know, Dan likes to drive us to like our most extreme. Not Dan. The show kind of right. drives mm-hmm. us to our most extreme versions of ourselves. So it's like, we get so used to just like, like me now, I'm just like word vomit with like my personal stuff with my wife. My wife's always like, why are you talking about like everything in our life? It's just like, I don't know. I'm just like, this is my lane now. I'm the guy that just talks about everything.
0: Well, uh, Woody is, is uncommonly erudite for uh, a young man your age. And that fits right into broadcasting because your on-air persona is not unlike how you were on the Levitard show. And what do you like so much about broadcasting, not just soccer broadcasting, but broadcasting in general and play by play in particular. Before he answers that question, he has a Witty's a different guy in these
1: soccer broadcasts. Little little gravitas? Yeah, maybe? Like, yeah. I mean, it's a compliment what I'm saying. It's impressive the
2: way you sound. Thank you. I think it's sort of the difference in, in those two things is, I guess, a lot of what I've done with studying broadcasting is putting a lot of intentionality behind the words and the way you use your voice. So when I'm just having a conversation with somebody, I'm just being myself. Whereas when I do a game, I've thought a lot about what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. And it's just different than sort of being an everyday person. What I love about it is that sort of crafting, right? You do a ton of work during the week. i in my work with Apple that you know we get calls with the coaches. We get calls with a couple of players for each team. You, I, I try and read every article from every newspaper blog, every tweet from someone uh, that covers the two teams that I'm covering that week. I really try and fully engross myself. You have to do a whole process with having things to say about each and every player from the star of the team to the very last player that might enter the game because you just never know. And I just like the putting together of that. And in some and then you get to do the game and you've done all this work, but then you don't you are in no control whatsoever of what happens on the field and you have to react. And so I like, for example you know describing the same things in different ways learning how to use language in that respect studying broadcasters in my in my space in soccer from from England people that work here in the states and and learning how to use the language in the best way possible to describe everything that happens during a game so i i just love the crafting of it all And then it all come in together, and then it kind of ends. For the most part, people didn't really absorb most of what you said. They're just kind of uh, along for the ride and enjoying the game. But I put put all that work in, and then you start over again the next week with whatever your next game is.
1: I'm hope I hope I'm not revealing too much of what you've told me before, but I believe you have a notebook that like with just like cool ways to say stuff in soccer. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's uh, it's (laughs) it's an eleven page Word document that I keep and I read like once every six months to remind myself so it'll be like you know give us for a example, little example give us a little All right example. you know what? I'm going to I'm going to pull up the doc here uh it's in a <laughs> it's in a folder called phrases project of course uh, which, it is. which 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 <laughs> might not be surprised uh which, to, to any of you so it I my doc is called the soccer Th- uh, thesaurus of course it is uh so um all right so I I have this section here that's just for counterattacks yes uh so it says here Uh, A sweeping move with a devastating end. Uh, Player can break. Player can lead the charge. Player charges through the midfield. Uh, Team hits team on the counterattack and lead 1-0. Multiple options available. Now the break is on. Players (laughs) flooding forward. Quickly off. An incisive counterattack. The man who started it all finishes it off. And you have hundreds of these. <laughs> uh, yeah, like that's just one section. I like That one section has 15 different lines. But again, these are all the same things, but you can say them in different ways. And that's kind and of And you're what... using
1: these? Like, have you used these particular ones?
2: I probably have only used 2% of okay. the overall things that I've written down. But if it's not, if I haven't said the same thing like in more, like multiple times in the same way, then I feel like it It was worth it. This was like, I, I worked on this when I was like in between jobs, I was barely doing any work. And I was just like, I just studied this stuff for like three months straight. And I wrote everything down that I thought was interesting.
0: I remember once I tweeted, this was years ago, and I can't even remember the context, but I tweeted in British soccer, why is a nice pass always referred to as a lovely ball? And And that, <laughs> Got like a thousand likes, <laughs> and and it's true. I mean, that lovely ball. That's a lovely ball. It's a lovely there, ball. What do you just... mean? That's that sounds a perfectly <laughs> good description for that. It is, but it's also like pretty commonly used. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Um,
2: and I, I, to me, the other thing too that's interesting is just that whole notion of like describing like something in sports as lovely. I don't feel like you'd hear that in many right. American sports contexts. There is a genuine difference. I remember when I was in college, they teach you to kind of use language that you make sure that everyone in the audience can understand it not to be low and lowest common denominator but to be a clear and effective communicator whereas like you will hear words from british soccer commentators that are like wait what what was that you must love that right oh th- that's for me it's my wheelhouse <laughs> like a drug but, yeah, for, if you hear for, for a them, word you don't know it's like oh right <laughs> right I can't, I can't wait to google this word and, and learn what it means but like for them it's a it's a genuine
1: exercise of the language in a way that it just isn't here. And I, I, I love that about it. How often do you, because you said you look up something on every player. So how often do you have like a note on some random player, maybe a lower end player that doesn't touch the ball a lot? And, it, and it's such a good note yeah. that like around the, around the 80th minute, he like just touches the ball and you're like, I'm getting this <laughs> note in.
2: Yeah, that happened to me. That happened me during one of those aforementioned preseason matches. I had like one really good note on a player who is kind of like a second string wing, a wing back for Montreal. Uh, and it, it was a it was a game it was a preseason game where both teams made eleven changes at halftime. So you're just trying to piece together who everyone is and say, oh, that player's playing. I remember reading this one nondescript article about, and sometimes because of the nature of soccer, they can be in other languages. Yeah. And you Google a player, and and like the articles in French, and you just use Google Chrome to translate the article, and all of a sudden you're reading an insightful player on a
1: on a player in French. Yeah, this guy's also an Olympic archer. Like I'm just getting that in. Like <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I must.
0: Have you yet uh, adopted or purloined uh, our friend Ray Hudson's use of the word magisterial? <laughs> that that I feel
2: like would be copyright infringement. Okay, that that's his. That, like, Ray Hudson's got magisterial. None of us have it. And also, I'm not entirely certain that it's a word Ray has acknowledged as much, but it's so perfect to what he's trying if, to say. It'd be beautiful. like if I started using one of his idioms, like, if I said a backline was stretched like Spandex on Fort Lauderdale Beach, right. that's also copied. Like, that's his corner. Yeah. That's oh, his yeah. thing. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I'm not, not going to invade his corner. Now, Greg Cody will allow you to use and you know it if you want to work that in.
0: Ooh,
2: okay. Yes, you should.
1: All right. Uh,
2: I'll, I'll, yeah, they, I'll, I'll see if there's a context in which that fits add that to your doc <laughs>
0: okay here <laughs> let, let me uh, let me volunteer a good context for you uh, a, a team scores to take a very healthy three nil lead they have this game in hand and you know it Well, oh, that's Ooh, just like but that's, that's like an that's... opinion like he can't get too opiniony oh okay yeah, i've I right.
2: done that before though every once in a while like the drama, you'd be like, that's the winning goal when there's still a minute left to play, Oof. and this, and, and you spend the rest of the game hoping that that was yeah. indeed the winning goal. Yeah, uh, but you'll 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 take the risk on that. I like that, Greg. I, I I'll see if there's any other. I'll go through my doc and see if there's any uh, places which, and you know it. Uh, I, I, d- should I say it in exactly the tone? That, and you know it, like in that exact tone.
0: <laughs> that's that, that's pretty good. Okay, yeah, all right. That's pretty if you good. You did that. Oh my that's god, that's pretty good. <laughs> but but uh, I think it's very important. Uh, to Drop the D and and it's and you know it. And you know it. And it's yeah. Perfect. It's not. It's Better. not you. Yeah. It's right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know it. Um, Woody, you were not to take a serious turn here, but um, you were friends with with the great Grant Wall mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Ted Lasso recently honored him uh at the end of the uh one of its uh episodes uh in memoriam um in memory of grant wall was in the closing credits and earlier if you caught it uh the the character coach beard was carrying uh one of uh wall's books the beckham experiment uh in in the episode so it was a nice tender shout out to grant wall and and i know his wife tweeted out great appreciation to it, his widow. Uh, Grant Wall, of course, was the iconic American journalist, died of an aortic aneurysm at age 49 just a few months ago. Uh, Not to to bring us down, but how do you remember Grant? What did he mean to you? Well, I think in some
2: ways that his, his book and memory being honored in such a big show, I think shows to me, I was almost surprised in the way in which his reach was even bigger than I thought. I knew that it was a massive deal in the soccer world, but. I remember at his uh, celebration of life in New York, Um, there was a performance by, I think it was the lead singer of The National, and I was there with Mike Ryan from the show, and he was like, whoa, he was friends with so-and-so. Like The the ways in which his network was broad, in some ways, was even bigger than I thought. And I think part of the reason why is because when we worked together, he was such a humble guy. Like and I, that word is thrown around very often. But for someone who had achieved so much in journalism, he was someone that was just very approachable, someone you can talk to. And I actually think the Ted Lasso connection is really interesting in that respect, because Jason Sudeikis and Grant Wall connected over the fact that they're both from Kansas and they kind of have this very similar Kansas background. I remember when. Uh, early on in the independent days of his podcast and I was producing it for him we were on a zoom and grant mentioned oh i went to this high school and jason said i went to this high school and they started talking about this for like 15 minutes before the actual interview began and he just had this way of connecting with people and i mean it, it's still you know difficult it's been really cool to see all the tributes from the it was first mls and then the nwsl us soccer did brilliant tributes Um, obviously this Ted Lasso thing, it's sort of something that, that keeps his memory alive. And for me, the, the, the lasting legacy is sort of all the work that he's done, but as a person, it's jumping on all these things with him that he had, that he allowed me to be a part of. We did a podcast during world cup qualifying with Landon Donovan, and it was never a question that I would be involved with that. Despite the fact that he and Landon had the relationship, I was along for the ride with everything that he did. And he was just such a great person. And you're you're, you're reminded of it all the time.
0: I, I didn't realize until very recently that uh, Ted Lasso had, the show had brought uh, Grant into the show uh, in an advisory role to help develop the Trent Krim character.
2: I, I didn't know that either. I didn't know that either. And also like this, well, uh, should we say the storyline of this season? I guess it's not that significant. Uh, like they're doing like a, uh, like Trent Crim went from being a journalist covering the team to writing a book about the team undercover. And because Grant has done that before, they consulted him. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that while they were working on this, he didn't tell me that, oh yeah, they called me. And like, he visited uh, the area where AFC Richmond is set and then the the town of Richmond where it's set and like wrote an article about spending a day with Brendan Hunt. But I didn't realize that part of that was consulting on this character.
0: From TV to Real life, although a real life saga that that is fit for TV. I want to talk a little bit about where Messi stands right now. Let me tell you how it seems to me, and you tell me what your take is. It seems to me that Paris Saint-Germain, his current team looks like it's out. A return to Barcelona seems back in play. Mike Ryan keeps insisting to me <laughs> that Inter Miami has a great chance. And now I'm reading reports that Messi may follow Ronaldo and chase the money to Saudi Arabia. What do you think the truth is?
2: I, I think everything you just outlined is 100% true. Um, I'm, I honestly thought when it was going to be because so I was kind of under the impression that it was inter-Miami and PSG and kind of a two-team race. I thought I would be really excited the week that PSG was sort of ruled out that the situation had deteriorated enough. Messi has actually been booed by his home fans in PSG. The situation has gotten really bad there. They got eliminated from Champions League in fairly pathetic fashion. Their end of their league season has sort of been very perfunctory. They're going to win the league, but it's not been in in a way that's been exciting. Messi has not played very well. And so I thought, all right, it, it, went, it went as bad as I thought it might. And so he's not going to PSG. All right, this is it. Inter-Miami can step in and go and win this. But with the player of this magnitude just coming off of winning the World Cup, still playing very well, I can understand why the, the, the rumors are out there and the reports are out there that he wants to say and win another Champions League title. I think it'll be very difficult for him to find a club where he can do that because the teams that are at that very upper echelon to go and do that I don't think you're going to set aside all the money. And I guess in some ways, the breaking a part of your team that bring in Lionel Messi takes, that's not to say he's a bad player. You just have to accommodate him for who he is in his career. It's what Argentina did. I'm not certain big European clubs would do that. Barcelona, frankly, I don't get it because they have no money. They can't even register their youth players that they want to bring up and sign into the first team, where are they going to find the money for Lionel Messi from? I don't understand it. And then the Saudi thing, in some ways, there was always two looming threats, which are the sovereign states that have taken over at Paris Saint-Germain that you just cannot compete with the amount of money that the Qataris have. And then the Saudis are another aspect as well. They already brought in Ronaldo, and then you have Messi now that could potentially join a rival. That's just an amount of money that MLS cannot afford to pay. So... Miami, I still think, is in with a chance, um, a good chance, but I don't know um, if all these other factors are enough. Jorge Messi, who is his agent and father, does a great job of getting a market together for his son, and then his son has to make a choice. I think there's a possibility that that choice is still into Miami,
1: but I'm I'm surprised at how much doubt there is now that PSG is out. I think there's no doubt in anyone's mind that really is following this, that eventually he, he's going to end up here, probably. Like, whatever. Let's just kind of assume that. <laughs> so the interesting thing that Mike has been talking about is the difference between this year and next year. Because once the shovels go in the ground, the team becomes more, so the deal's not as good. Do you have? Do either of you have any kind of, like, what money are we talking about there? Like, the stake he would get this year, what does that look like after the shovels go in the ground in terms of actual dollars?
2: I, I don't, I mean, I presume that, the agreement that they have to uh, construct Miami Freedom Park, which is uh, their new stadium that they're building in Miami near the airport where our golf course currently sits, fully goes into effect once they start building it. Right. And right now, at this very moment in time, they have not started building it. They're not far away from starting to build it, but life changes and and also, you know. Not not just in the way of all good, but they're going to have to start paying money and putting a bunch of money into actually building the thing and paying the rent. And it's, you know, the the whole financial situation changes once they begin to execute this project down in Miami. So I I think that that's what is being talked about. I I couldn't tell you the particulars of that. I couldn't tell you kind of how much money Messi stands to make now versus a year from now. But I know that the situation does dramatically change.
1: And do you think and does what Inter Miami does on the field currently has nothing to do with him? Right, like like they could lose every game this year. And I don't think so. I don't think so. They're. I mean, they've they've lost a player who's really important to their team,
2: Gregory, in midfield. That uh, they've lost four games since they lost him due to injury. They're still trying to figure it out. But I I don't think so. I I don't think if just because they start losing some games it makes them immediately less attractive. It you know they they were a decent team last year. They made the playoffs. But I don't think you know. Lionel Messi is looking at a team in MLS go, I want to join the team that's top of the Eastern Conference right now. Otherwise, you'd be joining FC Cincinnati. This I want to live in Miami. Are, <laughs> yeah, these are these are things that are much bigger. Owner, like we talked about ownership stake, That's that's been out there in the media. And Mike has talked about that. Uh, and all this bigger stuff uh, is not really about how good the team is at this very moment in time.
0: I have um, big anticipation about the Women's World Cup. I thought you were going to say my poem. We get to that <laughs> that okay. too. No, no, we're going to get to that in a minute. But I have to ask Woody about the women's World Cup because it's the U.S. and England are magnificent titans and rivals now, and the the women's team. Uh, I only know this in a sketch, but the women's team is sort of evolving from the 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 veteran team we've known to include new talent, new blood, and I'm wondering how you see the evolution of the USWNT and whether this whether we are still The world power in this sport?
2: I think in some ways the US's ability at the game is becoming narrower and a a narrower gap than it has been to other teams. Where I think in some ways the US lives rent free in a lot of teams' heads because of their success at World Cups, because of how strong they've been. In the game, they're kind of they're the Yankees of women's soccer. They are the Real Madrid of women's soccer. They are the team that sort of you have to conquer them. You don't just beat them. You cut like you have to slay the beast. Whereas I do think the the U.S. women the U.S. women's program is still growing. New players are coming through. The NWSL has been very good for the growth of the game here. But I still think that the rest of the world is coming. This is I think going to be one of the last tournaments where the U.S. could be considered a big favorite. They'll, be, um, they'll always be among the favorites. But I think because of the fact that all these major European countries, and to a lesser extent, South American countries, with major soccer infrastructure, are genuinely caring about the game in a way that they haven't as recently as six years ago. This sounds crazy, but it's a, been a period of about five or six years Years where some bigger clubs in Europe, all right, we're going to go all in on the women's game and we're going to try and develop players and bring through players and, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona have drawn big crowds. Barcelona played ridiculously good soccer and they're the best club team in the world. Uh, the, the English game, there's, you know, the, the same giants that are in the Premier League on the men's side are most of them are putting in money. I think Liverpool uh, has been sagging behind in that respect. But these big European clubs and the infrastructure is so much stronger than it is here in the U.S. From a you know fields, from a stadium, from all that standpoint, it's be- like it's a better way of developing players certainly than the college game. I think if you're relying upon the college game to compete at international level, I just don't think that that's good enough when you compare it to the to the infrastructure of most soccer countries around the world. So the U.S. go into this World Cup amongst the favorites; they have a great chance to win a third consecutive title. But as the World Cups go on life becomes very difficult for them. And I think we started to see the cracks of that at the, at the Tokyo Olympics.
0: Without further ado. Oh, no. In my family, the next Walt Whitman <laughs> <laughs> is poised to unleash. Greg, what are your bona
2: fides with, po- with poetry? Are you proud of your son here? Because you, you have a long lineage opponent of, of poetry?
0: I do not. Uh, I enjoy poetry. I, um, I, I, enjoy the hi- I, I enjoy a good haiku. But um, this is the first time I'm hearing this. I have not listened. I have not judged it, Dad. Have you written mom a poem before? You know what? It, it yes and no. He's like every time we make love, that's a poem. No.
2: Oh God!
0: Every time I every time I give her a card, a serious card for like a birthday or an anniversary, a card you write a paragraph. I'm not a big paragraph writer. Not a Snoopy card, but like an actual heartfelt card. Uh, I don't like just going by the pre printed message. I like writing some poetry of my own. So uh, I have dabbled in in. Amateur poetry, yes.
1: I'm a big give the card with a love, Chris, and then I will have, like, I will say to my wife, like, something very heartfelt on the birthday. I'm more of, like, outward. But I, but I say it poorly. To my point, I say it poorly. Anytime I try to really, because you know me, I'm a jokester. And in this, I can't help myself. I'm a jokester. But I wanted <laughs> to express myself with words for Chris Whittingham, who recently left the Levitard show. So here we go. <clears throat> oh, wait, let me scroll up
0: to the start of it. Okay. <laughs> Great start. It's called Chris Whittingham. <laughs> Just wow, made a that's right to the point. That one. Good luck rhyming something with Whittingham. Chris Whittingham, you're
1: gone now, but I still wanted to let you know that I truly appreciate you as a person. Damn it. I already f***ed this up. All right, we're going to start over. Here we go. I swear to God, this is going to be good. Chris Whittingham, you are gone now, but I still wanted to let you know that I truly appreciate the person you are and genuinely didn't want you to go. For you to leave to follow your passion is truly cool to see. When you become the next Peter Drury, don't forget about little old me. I've actually never written a poem before, not for a friend or even a loved one, but I stink at genuinely expressing emotion. Plus, I knew you'd appreciate it if it was nicely done. As I read this, all I can think of is how mad Dan's going to be I didn't do this on his show. But what (laughs) do you want from me? I just thought of it. Sometimes emotions can move a little slow. In my mind, this poem was filled with witty sayings, but it appears that it is not. Get off my back. This whole poem writing thing is much tougher than I thought. So goodbye for now, my friend, and good luck on whatever's next. Even though it's not goodbye at all, because we're in the same 14 group texts. (laughs) I don't know how to end this poem. I truly don't know what to do. So I'll just say, keep crushing it, man. It'll stink not seeing you at work every day. I will really miss you. Oh,
2: this is great. That was great, wonderful. Like, come on. Thank you. Wow. That that like genuinely touched me, dude. I meant it. I'm gonna it. Have a smile on my face for the rest of the day. That was brilliant. Thank you so
1: much. And wow. like I I I I should write something for you too. Because- well, you did. You wrote me a, a nice note, and I, yeah. I I felt the same way. We we had a a, a good repartee. I'd say nobody. Yes. I think Witty and I was a tag team effort of. Really, just bringing the positive energy. We were key glue guys. We were we were key glue guys in the atmosphere. That's honestly that's why I think I miss you so much because Woody has a lot of the traits that people around the show give me credit for. So I saw the I saw that with Woody, and it's it's always good to have. Like he's a good teammate. He really is.
0: Thank you, Chris. So there that you go. was uh, that was nice, Christopher. Thank you. Are and, you a little uh, jealous? Woody, uh... I'm
1: seeing a little jealousy from my dad. He's like he's never written me a poem.
0: no there there was no jealousy to that to that degree trust me you Um, set a high standard for the next birthday card yeah i did that's right poem was a little wordy if i'm gonna be uh, if i had a critique
1: i I, that's why uh, i was telling you i like i didn't know really how poems work so i was just like as long as they rhyme at some point can i just say as many words that's how i did it
0: you (laughs) You were uh, fast-forwarding some of those words to get to the rhyme. You know, a little wordy at points, but no, uh, heartfelt. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the wordiest one was. Whatever. Really it nice. was good. No, it was good. It's the thought that counts. It was great. Should we let Woody get out of here? Are I we, think you uh... should let me get out of here, too. Okay. let's Let's, <laughs> ra- let's wrap up the whole episode, shall we? uh whittingham thank you for joining us uh good luck in the future you are full of talent you have a great personality you're going to succeed in whatever you do and i'm happy right now that it's in soccer which i absolutely love so uh best wishes to you christopher thank you as always uh i'm glad we survived our trip to um houston yeah in uh, houston that's the name of a song isn't i was gonna it? say are you houston? singing <laughs> Houston we have a problem or no yeah. no no there's, there's a song I'm gonna look it up The next episode
2: I Tommy will... has probably played it in the open of a heat broadcast before it it could be
0: it could consult with him he would know I will indeed uh for now let's get out of here podcast family thank you all Dean Martin has a song called Houston does he really yeah hmm. he was he's probably slurring it like me in Houston last week according to <laughs> here we go. but uh <laughs> anyway on that note on that sour note uh thanks everybody See you next week. Bye bye. That kind of thing.
2: And you know it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, Witty. <sweetie. laughs>